This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. President Obama's newly announced Afghanistan strategy is full of internal contradictions, apparently pushing toward both expanding and ending a war that has now dragged on for eight years, as the scope of the mission has expanded dramatically. So says Christopher Preble, director of the Cato Institute's Foreign Policy Studies. I think the the question uh, today is what exactly are we doing in Afghanistan? And that was the same question before the president gave his speech. Um, it is possible to take that speech and parse out individual paragraphs that you might like or you might hate. Uh, for example, I particularly liked his reference to Eisenhower. I love it when Democrats reference Eisenhower because Republicans don't choose not to anymore. Um, but the bottom line is this. We're sending more troops to Afghanistan. Barack Obama has presided over a dramatic escalation. Uh, he has more than doubled the number of troops in Afghanistan since when he took office. And that those actions speak far louder than his words last night or, frankly, any of the words coming out of the White House throughout this entire strategic review process. My point has always been, if the object is as ambitious as uh, they have laid out, which is to really reshape Afghan society, then 30,000 troops isn't nearly enough, but neither is 300,000 troops, and no one in their right mind is talking about that. So that is the fundamental contradiction at the heart of this strategy. And his speech last night did not resolve that. In some respects, it only confused it even further. Let me be extremely cynical. If the idea here as a political matter is to take Afghanistan off of the front page for some period of time, it looks a lot like the Iraq surge. Perhaps, but remember that the Iraq surge took Iraq off the table only to the extent that um, a lot of the conditions that were in existence in Iraq before the troops went in there, the additional troops went in there, were as much uh, responsible for the decline in violence, both violence against American troops but also violence against Iraqis, as were the actions of the U.S. troops. There is no reasonable expectation that a similar situation exists in Afghanistan today. So I both quarrel with the conventional wisdom. It's really not the conventional wisdom. It's the conventional wisdom among the advocates for the Iraq war who needed desperately to be talking about the surge instead of why we were in this horrible mess in Iraq in the first place, who want to use a particular version of the surge to sell a whole bunch of other bad ideas around the world, including in Afghanistan. Um, but I'm not willing to accept even their version of that 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 story. Um, the bottom line, in, as far as comparing between Afghanistan and Iraq, is these countries could not be more different. Um, and the most important relative to the question we've been dancing around, which is how many troops would you actually need to stabilize a country the size of Afghanistan? Uh, in a place like Iraq, it could plausibly be argued that you could concentrate on the population centers, the urban areas, and control the country of Iraq. That is absolutely not the case in Afghanistan, one, because there are no urban areas to speak of, or almost none, and the country has not been organized around a central government in a place, Baghdad or near Baghdad, for you know several millennia, almost, uh, and so you just have two very, very different countries. The circumstances are very different. 
they're going to surge the troops into, into just a few places, uh, most importantly Kandahar, where the, the Taliban has seen the greatest resurgence. But at the same time, they, they are trying to extend the central government's writ over the entire country. And we've seen in other places that the Taliban can shift. Of course, the Taliban itself is not an Afghan movement. It is a Pashtun movement, which moves across both the Afghan and Pakistani borders. So it really is bizarre to me to think that just 30,000 troops could completely turn things around in a way that the 30,000 or even now 60,000 that have been there up to this point have not been able to do. If President Obama had meant that we would begin withdrawing troops in 2011, he would have said that. (laughs) Well, I think the president got some of the headlines that he wanted, which was he's increasing troops, but he's proposed to draw them down. But you've fixed on, again, the internal contradiction of this. Why do we believe that a mission that he says is absolutely essential to U.S. national security today will not be absolutely essential two and a half years, not even, uh, you know, just two years from now? Uh, It would only be the case that we would draw down if conditions on the ground uh, allowed for it. Well, as I've argued, the conditions on the ground are not likely to allow for it if you continue to define your mission as creating a stable, functional government in Kabul that is not corrupt, that is respected by the people of Afghanistan, that the Taliban is no longer capable of carrying out attacks throughout the country. The safe haven argument for al-Qaeda is completely separate from that and really quite foolish because al-Qaeda has safe havens in all kinds of places around the world, not just in places like Afghanistan or Pakistan. So to even focus on one area to fight with al-Qaeda is, is really quite foolish. Um, but this problem is a political problem for the president. The American people hate open-ended missions. And the mission in Afghanistan is looking very open-ended, and not least because it's the longest war in our history, depending on how you define it. Um, and so he needed to say, I'm going to draw this to a close, uh, to convince some of the people in the middle that, in fact, it's coming to a close. Now, this is bad news for people who wanted him to make a full-throated defense of counterinsurgency and nation-building as something that was necessary and proper because you don't do nation-building on a timeline, period. But on the other hand, I'm extremely skeptical that he will be able to come back to the American people, and I, I hope he does, and I, I'll be there to remind him of what, what he said you know, 18 months or two, or two years earlier, uh, to say to the American people, I said we had a defined commitment. We are not going to spend into oblivion on this mission. We have come to the end of that. We have not achieved all of our objectives, but relative to all of the other things we need to worry about, I'm ready to call it quits. I hope he says that. I hope, frankly, we achieve our objectives and, and, and that we can leave even sooner. But we've seen, you know, history does not provide a lot of examples of where a president, you know, points to what he said two years earlier and said, see, well, the, our time is up. They always come up with new rationales to stay longer, to, to justify the investments that have been made up to that point. Chris Preble is Director of Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.